Welcome to the TappingSolution.com's Bits and Pieces podcast, where we share information designed to change your life. Whether you're new to EFT tapping or an old hand, you'll find simple, inspiring information to brighten your day, motivate you, and help you live your best life. To learn more about tapping, visit thetappingsolution.com. Now, here's today's clip. Hi everyone, Nick Ortner here, New York Times bestselling author of The Tapping Solution and one of your hosts, executive producer of this Tapping World Summit. I am so delighted about this interview today. I have a dear friend, someone you all know. You are like, you know, I was thinking about the intro and you're one of the one name celebrities. I don't know if you know that, right? It's Marianne, right? It's like, it's like Julia, like Julia Roberts and, you know, George, Marianne Williamson, a one name celebrity in the world of self-help, multiple New York Times bestselling author. Thank you. Uh, a big influence <laughs> in my life for a long time, Thank and you, it's Nick. just such a pleasure to sit and chat with you. Thank you. What we're doing in this event, this Tapping World Summit, where we explore this tapping technique, which I know you have some experience with, I know your daughter has some great experiences mm-hmm. with, and as I was thinking about your work and how <coughs> it goes with tapping, I was thinking about how we start tapping, right? And when we start tapping, we're focusing on an issue, a problem, and we're saying, even though I have this problem, I love, accept, and forgive myself, or some version of that. You know, even though I have this problem, I deeply and completely love and accept myself. And it seems like something that's so simple, right? The concept of loving and accepting ourselves. But so many of us have such a hard time with that. Why do you think that is? Well, I think we have created a culture of woundedness. Mm. There's a lot of social permission to coddle your wounds. Mm. We're all wounded. But healing is not just a process it's a decision and when you make the decision for healing that stimulates the processes and I think of tapping and so many other processes as part of a claim to the possibility of healing and that itself it's not just the tapping it's the fact that you chose to do anything that makes a stand for the fact that there is life on the other side of this wound Mm -hmm. so when you say I love and I accept myself anything that is love I accept myself I accept others you know everybody talks about we gotta love yourself well it can't just be loving yourself it's got to also be loving others Mm -hmm. because at the deepest level others are yourself so it's not really an either-or thing here But the idea of love is, love is how I see you, love is how I see myself, interrupts the patterns that have taken me into my suffering, that have taken me to my pain. In that sense, forgiveness is the answer to everything, which is the same thing as saying a miracle is the answer to everything. It's the answer, the same thing as saying love is the answer. So when you tap and you, through the ways that you and others seem to know exactly what those lines are within the nervous system and the brain, and you make contact with those in the ways that your expertise knows how to do, from that place where it, it connects with that psychic perspective, which is love, that's literally a miracle. Mm. It's an interruption of the thought patterns of pain and chaos and suffering. Yeah. So yes, it's the same thing as saying, 
you know, a miracle is that shift in perception from fear to love. And no matter what our pain is, no matter what our fear is, it can be interrupted. That's what that shakti is. That's what that, that spiritual power is, where you, where you go deep into those psychic realms where love is. And in that place, the mind is lifted above and beyond the suffering, and that, that is the path to deliverance and transcendence. Mm, beautiful. A couple words <coughs> stood out for me that you just said there. One is choice, right? The people yes. watching this. Yes have made a choice, and they had a thousand choices, right? A million choices. Right. What do you do with your time in <clears throat> this moment? Right. Right. Are you watching TV? Are you watching the news? Are you watching Facebook? Are right. you being upset about something? Are you running old patterns? Or are you watching this? Right. So just that choice. I think you're absolutely correct, and that goes back to what I was saying about how, how we, we have built up some mental habit patterns that have mm. to do with coddling, uh, coddling the woundedness sometimes. Processing is important, but mm. if we're not careful, the processing can turn into spewing. Yeah. It, it's important to heal, but, but the emotional healing can sometimes, if we hold on too long, turn into a kind of emotional self-indulgence. Mm. You know, it's like in, in the Old Testament, it was 40 years between the, the, the slavery, uh, the, the experience of slavery in Egypt, 40 years the Israelites wandered in the desert and then reached the Promised Land. In Christianity, in the New Testament, Jesus was on the cross for three days. It was 40 years, not 80 years. It was three days, not, yeah, yeah. not 16 days. And that's important, the idea that in nature there's a period of time. And that period of time is that during which the, the material circumstances come to align themselves with a change in mind. Yeah. But that change of mind is the decision. So anytime, whether it's tapping or any other process, that really stands for the peace that is possible on the other side of this pain. Mm. Just the decision to do that is, is, is the power yeah. that then is expressed through the tapping. Yeah, I love the time <laughs> frame period. This summit runs for free for 10 days, right? This is the way <laughs> it works and there's two presentations a day. Now from the first time we ran it, I've seen time and again that the people who commit, who say, right. I'm gonna do these two a day, even some might not apply to me, they might be like, oh, I don't know about that topic, but I'm gonna do it. Those people who do it for 10 days, those are the ones that come back and say everything's different. You know that 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 once again we have become we are a mentally lazy society mm. too many times. You know people say, "Oh, I tried all that. Did you really?" Yeah. People say, "I tried love. Did you really?" Yeah. I, I tried yeah. the forgiveness stuff. Did you really? <laughs> yeah. I tried the prayer stuff. Like, did you really? Yeah. When the world, you know, we, we look at the ways of war and the ways of unforgiveness and the violence on the planet, and say we tried all that love stuff. When did we ever try that yeah. love stuff? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know all the all the brain, the neurological evidence now that it takes thirty days to shift a pattern. Uh, it's like going to physical exercise. If you do it, it works. Yeah. If you go to the gym, actually do it, it works. And same with mental and spiritual and emotional exercise. If you do it, it works. But that constant repetition, just like when you, uh, you know, lift a weight, you are, it's the accumulated repetitions mm. where you are countering the gravity uh, of, the, of the material plane. Well, there's psychological gravity and there's emotional gravity and that's going into the negative thought, going mm. into the place that causes you pain. And with tapping and any process like this, you are repeating yeah. an anti-gravitational, psychologically, emotionally anti-gravitational thoughts that, that, that produce that spiritual uplift. Mm. We do lie to ourselves a lot, huh? When you say like, yeah, I try that, I hear that yeah, all the time. Really. And I've, I've found myself, right? In my last 20 years of, you know, various years sort of in that dark night of the soul uh -huh. when you're really struggling, you say, oh, I did that. Yeah, yeah for what, really. five minutes, yeah, you right. know? Yeah. Did you visualize for five minutes? Yeah. Were you, did you feel love for 30 seconds? I love you know? people, sometimes they'll say, do you meditate sometimes? I said, well, it works sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I love the, it was a gentleman at an AIDS support group and he said to me, do I have to forgive everybody? 
And I said, well, I don't know. What do you have? Do you have the flu or do you have AIDS? Because if you only have the flu, only forgive a few people. <laughs> but if you have AIDS, you might want to take all the medicine. Yeah. And that's where we are, so many people spiritually. They want to take a little of the medicine. Yeah. Which is also, there's another reason why sure. that's interesting to me. If you go to the doctor and the doctor says you have to take the whole course, all the pills, mm. all 12 pills, you don't even consider that it's enough to take three. Mm. And, and you ask the doctor, now what do I do? Do I, do I take the pills with, the, with my meals or without? Do I take them at bedtime? Do I take them in the morning? When do I tell you? Take notes. Yeah. You want to take the medicine. But with meditation and prayer and tapping and anything like that, it's like, you know, I do it sometimes. Sometimes I forgive. Sometimes, you know, sometimes I tap. So why are you surprised that, you know, sometimes it kind of sort of works? Because you kind of sort of did it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I want to read um, a quote that, uh, from A Return to Love that really struck me. Uh, you wrote, the Course, referring to A Course in Miracles, seemed to have a basic message, relax. Mm -hmm. I was confused to hear that because I had always associated relaxing with resigning. I had been waiting for someone to explain to me how to fight the fight or to fight the fight for me. And now this book suggested that I surrender completely, the fight completely. I was surprised but so relieved. I had long suspected I wasn't made for worldly combat. Tell me about that, this idea of relaxing. <clears throat> well, the embryo doesn't have to say, I will become a baby, I will become a baby. The, the acorn doesn't have to say, I will become an oak tree, I will become an oak tree. Because natural intelligence, there is a natural intelligence that moves through every cell. And it leads every cell to divide and to collaborate with every other cell to serve the healthy functioning of the whole. The, the cells in your body aren't struggling. Mm. They are following a natural intelligence. And we ourselves, when we follow that natural intelligence, when we relax into the arms of God, or whatever your words are, you find that peaceful place, there is a natural intelligence that then moves through you. Mm. It's like, I love how <clears throat> so many times in our society, when we talk about people succeeding, we talk about taking the bull by the horns. Yeah, yeah. That is a suicidal thing <laughs> yeah, to that's, do. Yeah, that's a terrible a idea, right? So instead, you can think of angels pushing you from behind. Mm. In, in the Jewish Book of Wisdom, in the Talmud, it says that over every blade of grass, there is a, a, an angel bent over whispering, grow, mm. grow. So there is a certain kind of freneticism yeah. involved in a certain kind of struggle, I gotta make it happen, I gotta make it happen, that actually interrupts the pattern by which it would happen naturally. Mm. We are coded for creativity. We are coded for manifestation. We are coded for happiness. But when we don't follow our natural intelligence, then the, the, that flow doesn't move through us. So it's not only the idea that God's plan, love's plan, natural nature's plan, whatever you wanna call it, works, it's the idea that yours doesn't. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the struggling that we do actually interrupts the flow yeah. by which things would occur more naturally. When you do physical exercise, you're working on your physical muscles so that you can go out there and do things. When you do spiritual exercise, you are finding that still place within yourself where you are non-reactive, where you have an impulse control, and what that does is it attracts to you, it magnetizes to you everything and everyone with whom it will be the natural flow of your life to collaborate in such a way that things just happen. Mm. You don't have to fight, you have to allow. Mm. You show up in any moment, if you make your goal that you show up in any given moment to be love, to be in your, in your greatest excellence, to really be available for the experience, it can't, that's when it 
happens. It can't not happen. Yeah. But that's not a position of struggle. It's a, it's a position of availability mm. and love and grace. And you're seeking to bless rather than blame and to allow rather than to judge. And that becomes your, you, that's your mental practice. Yeah. And in that place and from that place, all good emerges. Mm. You know, one of the interesting things about tapping, the latest research has found <coughs> that when we tap on these endpoints of meridians, we send a calming signal to the amygdala. So we are turning off that fight or flight response. And I know my experience in the last decade of using it is that you're faced with a challenge, it <coughs> seems insurmountable. When I remember to tap on it, you do it, and then the cognitive shift is just, it's just like meditation, right? It's just well, it's so, profound. Yeah, right? it's fascinating that with tapping, you are tapping into yeah. this neurological information, correct? That we're all learning about the nervous system and the brain and the meridians in the body. It's, it's fascinating and we're living at a time when there is so much of that and there are, are so many processes mm -hmm. and tapping is obviously a very powerful one. And uh, I have repeated to other people that you uh, told me and, and they have said very, um, I've heard very positive things about tapping uh, for people who have um, migraine headaches. Yeah. Uh, my daughter's tapping uh, was when she was very afraid of needles yeah. and she had to have a blood test and mm. she was really just so, she just, mm. the idea, I said, honey, you have to have this blood test and someone suggested and, and that was very helpful to her and of course you were very kind to me during a, a hard situation I was going through and I appreciate that. Oh, my pleasure, my honor, my honor. Um, <coughs> so, in the last couple of weeks as I've been prepping for this interview, I went back to a return to love. I know that it, you wrote it so long ago. It doesn't look like it. I don't know how you've been around this long and looking Thank this you. good. Thank you. Know, you. My clothes are off. Thank you. Think bad. <laughs> and uh, it was interesting because I actually I was short on time, so I've got the Kindle on my phone. You know, I'm not a big have my phone guy, but I have my Kindle on there and the book on there. So any moments I could find, I would read a couple pages. Thank you. And I what I found really interesting was you know you have this device in front of you that it's a multitude of possibilities, right? Uh -huh. I could check my email, I can text, <coughs> I can go on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, everything, or I can go to this book. I found that whenever I opened that book, it was returning to love, mm -hmm. right? And that even just reading a couple of pages right. a couple times a day shifted everything from me. Mm -hmm. And it just, it, it becomes so evident again and again that you have to do the work again and again. It's like, you remember, you forget. You remember, you forget. It's like physical exercise. You don't ever get to look in the mirror and say, well, I like that. I don't ever have to go to the gym yeah, again. Yeah. Because after a certain point in your life, whether it's your physical muscles or your thought forms, if you're not working on keeping them up, they're headed down. Mm. And in the world today, there is a constant barrage of meaningless stimulus. Mm. And more and more that meaninglessness is laced with fear. And so if you do not take conscious responsibility for the sanctity of your own mind, then there are so many forces that will eat at you. The toxicity is so, mm. is so thick. Mm. And there is so much within the material plane to foster fear and cynicism and anger. So each of us, you know, part of spiritual rebirth and resurrection and redemption and, and enlightenment, self-actualization, inner peace, whatever you want to call it, it's really all the same, is lifestyle decision. Mm. And if you wake up in the morning, the first thing you do, you go to, the, go to the internet, go to the newspaper, and let your mind in the morning, when it's most open to a new impression, be just, you know, if you just allow the fear of the world to pour into your mind, then no wonder you're mystified why you're so depressed by noon. 
So if you meditate and pray in the morning and do some spiritual practice in the morning, it's like not enough to just wash your body. Yeah. You want to purify your thought forms too, otherwise you might clean your body, but you're still carrying yesterday's stress into the world mm. and stress of people all over the world. So, uh, th so this idea that you take responsibility for your mind, and of course books, in the beginning was the word, holy books, spiritual books, books about spirituality, and of course spiritual information is so mainstream now. Yeah, yeah. That the idea of every day spending what in the Course in Miracles says even five minutes in meditation in the morning. We do these workbook exercises in the Course in Miracles every day. There's one for every day of the year. It, it, the Course in Miracles says if you do even five minutes of that in the morning, the Spirit will be in charge of your thought forms throughout yeah. the day. Yeah, and you, I've had the experience of both, and I can see the difference. Absolutely. Starting with our practice, or starting with the email, or the, you know, Abs whatever the junk Absolutely, is. And, and knowing you, uh, it shows. Mm. You know, I've never approached you and you go, hi. <laughs> uh, you know, I've never approached you, I've never seen you, that you haven't asked about me and been available for the, the, me being the person in front of you. Mm. I've never, and, and I'm not saying it's not part of all of our lives to have sad days. Don't get me wrong, that's okay too. There are storms in nature and there are storms in us. But your positivity and your kindness and your excellence shows. Well, that's very kind. You know, one of the things that I've, <laughs> I've seen in the last 10 or 15 years for myself has been the biggest shift has been this little thing called an iPod. You know, now it's on your phone, but you know, my friends used to make fun of me. Like I had roommates and I lived in Brooklyn right after college because I'd always, then it wasn't an iPod, it was actually a Walkman, you mm -hmm. know? And I would just have headphones on all the time, you know, when I'm doing dishes. Why? <clears throat> because I knew that I just had to keep feeding my brain with this information, with this positive and, stimulus. And, you know, it's interesting because there's, there's a balance today. I was in a doctor's office the other day. I was in the waiting room. And I looked around and there were five women and we were all on our devices. Mm. And I was thinking, you know, we could be talking yeah. right now. Yeah. When I survey the people that I work with and talk to, it seems like there's a couple of big things in their life. There's finances, right? Am I making enough money? How do I make more money? Their body, is there, <clears throat> want to lose weight? Are they in pain? How do you heal your body? And then there's relationships. And oftentimes it seems like the other two get actively worked on, like thought about a lot, <clears throat> and relationships is just sort of, oh, that's what it is. My family's crazy and they make me miserable, but I don't want to go there. I'm, I'm not forgiving them. I don't want to look at it. My spouse is just the way they are. We seem to be, not for everybody, but a lot of people seem to be really stuck in their relationships and their expectations of them and just how they deal with them. So how do we change that? Well, you know, in A Course in Miracles, it says that every situation is a relationship. Yeah. When you talked about money and finances, your relationship with money, yeah. the society's relationship, uh, economic justice, uh, your relationship with your body, and when you're talking about the body. So every situation mm. is, uh, is an experience of relationship. Yeah. So the Course in Miracles says you think you have many different problems, but you really only have one, and that is your separation from God mm. or love. So the first thing you do is deal with your primary relationship. Your primary relationship is the divine. Mm. You do that through reconnection, through prayer, meditation, serious spiritual practice. Then you remember who you are. It is a recognition of who you are. And as you remember who you are, you begin to remember why you are here. So your relationship to money, your relationship to work, your relationship to your body, and your relationship to other people. When you remember your primary relationship to source or God, then you realize, I am only here to be a space of love with money. I'm only here to be a space of love with my body. And I'm only here to be a space of love with other people. Mm. To the extent to which your relationship with the primary source is fractured, to that extent, 
There will be places where you are separated from yourself. That's what neurosis is, as Freud defined it, separation from self. And then I will take that blind spot into my relationship with you. Mm. I'm fractured with the deepest sense of my source, means I'm fractured in my deepest sense of self, and then I will play that out in my relationship with you. So the key to healing my relationship with you is healing my relationship to the divine. Give me some examples of how that plays out. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you how it plays out. I pray in the morning, I meditate in the morning, I ask to be a vessel of love. Guess what? When I see you, I'm going to be more positive, mm. I'm going to be more loving, I'm going to be more available to you, and the, therefore increasing the possibilities that we have a good thing going between us. Yeah. If I don't meditate in the morning, I don't pray in the morning, I, I read the newspaper, I take all the stress from yesterday, I haven't cleared it, I haven't forgiven other people from yesterday, I'm picking up through the news and everything else, all the craziness of the world, I'm stressed, I've forgotten who I am, fear has taken me away, and then I see you, hey Nick, how you doing? But I'm not really available to that moment with you, and I'm more likely to judge you rather than bless you, because I'm acting out my own stress with and you. And then I get triggered, I'm... You might not be triggered, well, let's say, but not you're interested. Yeah, not interested. So the just, healthy the, you are, the less interest. Of course. If yeah. you're healthy, you'll walk away. Yeah. But if I'm not healthy, <laughs> you'll right, get into the dance. I'll just with be me. like, oh, Marianne's Hello. annoying. And That's right. then we get angry at each other. That's we got right. in a fight about and that's something. That's called a relationship that doesn't work. Yeah. Or you walked away because you were healthy, and then I wonder why I can't meet people and have good friends. Mm. Because healthy people are like, oh, I don't even want to be around that. <laughs> mm. Tell me about how it plays out. You talked this morning about some intimate relationships and ah. just. You know, husband and wife. And oh, yes. Well, the first thing you do, and what we talked about this morning with intimate relationships, is that, you know, we don't, we don't care for our relationships, in the, in, in particularly in our society today. You know, you can buy a Honda or you can buy a Bentley. Either one. You take it off the lot, you're still going to have to fill it with gas. You're going to have to maintain it and take care of it. And the more precious it is, the more maintenance. You don't apologize for the fact that the Rolls Royce is high maintenance. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we, we want relationships to not be high maintenance. Yeah. But relationships, the whole idea is that they are, if you choose and if you make it so, a sacred container. You wake up in the morning and you pray for the happiness of your partner. Mm -hmm. You don't, the ego mind says, what am I getting from you? Am I getting my needs met? That's all the rage. He said, you know, are your needs getting yeah, met here? Yeah. Are you getting what you need in this relationship, yeah. Nick? And it's, you know, the ego is your self-hatred masquerading as self-love. So some of the most ego-based perspectives come across like so psychotherapeutically wise, right? Yeah. Are you getting your needs yeah. met? Yeah. Well, the fact you even think you have needs is based on the core belief that you're not enough already. Mm. So if you live fully in the present and say, may I be a vessel, may this intimate, may my lover, may my husband, may my wife feel for me today that number one, they are just blasted with love all day. I wake up in the morning, I pray for their happiness. You wake up in the morning and you remind them before they leave, just want to remind you how hot you are. Mm -hmm. Just want to remind you how brilliant you are. Just want to remind you how fabulous you are. Just want to remind you that in me you are incredible and I know you can do anything. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk about building up the self-esteem of children. At what age do you stop yeah. needing it? At what age do you stop needing somebody to tell you you are the greatest, mm -hmm. right? Throughout the day. Now, intimacy is going to bring up all the issues that need to be healed. It is a constant practice in forgiveness. The ego will say, if I see you do this, 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 or this, I just may reject you. And if you see my real issues, you might reject me. But the spirit sees the intimate relationship, or sees any relationship actually, as a laboratory of the soul. It is a hospital for the soul. Your issues will come up. The closer we are, 
you know, like you and I know each other, Nick, we're more than acquaintances, I think, mm -hmm. but less than good friends. We don't live in the same city yeah. or anything. So we haven't really seen any other's issues mm. come up. But you're married. I have intimate relationships. So, you know, that's where your issues come yeah. up. And that's where we realize this person's issue is, this person's issues are coming up in order that this can be the place where it can be healed through compassion and through forgiveness mm. and through my willingness to be healed here. But that only happens if you consciously and proactively make of this relationship a sacred, holy encounter. You develop this namaste consciousness. But, and it's like I was saying before, but you wake up in the morning, you go to the computer, yeah. you wake up in the morning, bye, yeah. as opposed to we pray together, may this day be blessed, I pray for your happiness, and I see everything that comes up as part of the path of enlightenment that is available to us because relationships are assignments. People are brought together who represent for each other the maximal opportunity for soul growth. Mm -hmm. And when you see anything in a sacred context, but it's not just an intellectual yeah. thing. It's that you actually on a daily basis and ultimately we seek moment by moment to actually practice that. The love in me salutes the love in you. And if you're in an intimate relationship, there's a really good chance that you did something, you, I saw your humanness today, mm. and my ego would like to use that to either separate from you through anger or separate from you through just a lack of juice. Yeah. Whatever will just make it go away. We, my wife and I have this little thing in our kitchen, I won't <laughs> quote exactly, but something to the effect of love me when I don't deserve it because that's right. when I need it most. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly. And the Course in Miracles says that which is not love is a call for love. Mm. And intimate relationship is, is the constant practice of that. That's what makes it a very high and holy spiritual practice if you use it for that purpose. Give me that quote again. Love. That which is not love is, is a, a call, call for, for love. love. What is not love is a call for love. So exactly what you said that mm. he says, when I'm not acting in love, know that that's when I need it most. Mm. And some people would say, then you'll be a doormat. No, you're a doormat until you do this. And also, you don't have to worry that the path of love means you can't set boundaries. Love sometimes says no. So you'll yeah. learn, I know you have a new baby. Being a parent, you know, love sometimes says yes, you can have it, and love sometimes means no, you can't go to her house this weekend. Yeah. Because I love you, then I'm setting a limit here, right? So, love will That's not... That's a big point. I, I actually read it, what's, what's your new book, A Year in Miracles? Mm -hmm. I opened to that page this morning, mm -hmm. so that not being, it doesn't mean that you're gonna be a doormat. People think, oh, if I'm lovey, it's sort of like attached to this like hippie, like love, 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 yeah. and everyone can do whatever they want. And I can't say no to people or... Yeah. And any uh, parent knows that. Sometimes it's love that makes you go, no. Yeah. And, and you'll know this. You know, your child grows to the point, please, <laughs> yeah. please, please. We're not at the whining I? stage and yet. And it would be it? easier to just say, okay. Yeah, yeah. But I love you too much. I love you enough to discipline you. I love you enough to, with a child. And, and with a... Um, you know, one of the things I love in The Course in Miracles is it definitely presents a worldview that is win-win. Mm. So... If something is truly best for me, it is truly best for you. And if it's truly best for you, it's truly best for me. So if I pray and I ask, what should I do in this situation? Then whether it's saying yes or no to you, regardless what my appetite is or your appetite, it is for the highest good of both of us. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So we've covered a lot of life-changing information in this <laughs> interview. For everyone watching at home, what are some takeaways? What do you think? Besides watching this again and again to get every ounce of meaning from it, 
But what do you think they should either ask themselves about their life or, or, or walk away? Well, I, I, I wouldn't say any shoulds, but people can. Yes, I, I do, free, I do free live streaming every week if they want okay. more of this information and can find out more at Marianne.com. The, the issue from a Course in Miracles perspective is to know that where love is present, miracles happen naturally. And in every given moment of our lives, we make a choice. Sometimes we make it consciously and sometimes we make it subconsciously. But we do make a choice. Is my heart open in this moment or is my heart closed? Mm. Am I blessing or am I blaming? The Course in Miracles says you can have a grievance or you can have a miracle. You cannot have both. So in any given moment, just you become, you start to become more aware of what aspect of yourself you are bringing forth. Your true self, which is the love, or the hardened self. And you become more conscious of which am I being. And at any given moment, you can say, I didn't get that right. Open your mm -hmm. heart in this moment. And miracles happen when we do. And these are just, these, just like they're objective, discernible laws of the external realm, they're objective, discernible laws of the internal realm. When you love, miracles happen. When you close your heart, get defensive, lead with fear, anger, whatever negativity derives from fear, your life's not going to work. But every moment is an invitation. And in any given moment, we can choose again. I don't know any enlightened masters, although I, I don't know, I know a couple people. I Borderline, think they're, they're, they're working on it. <laughs> I think I might know a couple, but I know I'm not, but I know I'm better than I used to be. And yeah. I think that's where most yeah. of us are. Yeah. We might not be perfect yet, but we're better than we used to be. And we're living at a time on the planet that is, there's a lot of change, mm. profound, perilous possibility, and profound, miraculous opportunity. Mm. And any given moment when we choose love, we are contributing not only to our own lives, but to the entire world. Mm. Can you lead us in a simple prayer to, sure. to bring that energy in sure. that you just Let's talked about? Let's do that. Absolutely. <clears throat> Dear God, Nick and I join with everyone who is watching this right now as all of our hearts come together and we pray for the happiness of all living things. And we send love from our hearts to everyone that we know and everyone that we don't know. We surrender to you our past, our present, and our future. May a great wave of forgiveness come upon us. May a great wave of love come upon all hearts and all minds as we give our lives to love. Use us. May love use our hands and use our feet, use our work. We surrender all that we have and all that we are. May we be the people that you would have us be, that we might do what you would have us do. And thus, may all the world be blessed. And so it is. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Marianne. I love you. Thank you. I love you, too. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. We love you. We'll see you soon. We'll see you at the Tapping World Summit. <laughs>